boats doing donuts in the funny, Thames yeah. and just, stuff. I'm like, this is getting ridiculous now. Whole street doing the conga. And it was just like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. You had COVID, what, you, know, you had a bad you know, Ventilator, me, headache, three days. Headache, this Some people just built different love. Hello, welcome back to episode 40 of Two Pals on a Pod. This week, we're going to do a little bit of a sort of post-match analysis of the pandemic, I guess, is what I'm going to call it. We're going to get sort of go into talking about what happened over the last two and a bit years, two and a half years. Now it's sort of come to a conclusion a little bit for the most part. Anyway, certainly in this country. And so we're going to talk about how mental it was how bizarre the whole thing was, some of the ridiculous things that happened, some of the things that we went through and some of the things that we were feeling and and all these kind of things. But just generally how it was just a mad time, the whole thing, wasn't it? I mean, when did you first hear about it? COVID itself, probably. Now, it's funny. I've got a friend and and she does listen to this podcast, actually. I hope she's still listening. My friend Lib... No, she's not. She's not single. She's not single. No, no, no. And she lived with a girl that lived in China, she fly over from China for uni, right? Mm-hmm. And she was flying over from China after Chinese New Year, so in early January. And my friend said, she's coming over and there's this thing, this COVID thing going around China. I said, what, this is the first I've heard of it. She, she was said, coughing. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> her name, weirdly, from <laughs> weirdly, her name was Patient Zero. Weird. <laughs> that, was, that was her name. <laughs> so she said, oh, housemate, housemate's coming back from, from China. There's this COVID thing going around there. It's a bit dodgy. We're going to you know, maybe buy some masks. So she was at least a good three months, four months ahead of the UK mm-hmm. government when it came to, you know, planning against Good honour. And I said, what's this, what's this, what's this COVID thing? Googled it. Um, and it, back then it wasn't even known as COVID. It was known as just coronavirus back in the mm. early days at this point. And this was, this was January. And I looked, so I looked it up and I was like, Jesus Christ. And at the, uh, there's a lot of fake news flying around early on. Because I, I remember I, I searched, it, I was like, coronavirus China, like, see what's going on. And there were videos of people that were in streets in China just like dropping dead, like instantly. It's that coronavirus, that coronavirus. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Retrospectively, it wasn't. But then I remember thinking, oh my God, this is this is this is coming on leaps and bounds really fast in China, it's spreading so fast. And the government were doing nothing. This housemate was allowed to re-enter the country with no checks at, at Newcastle Airport or anything like that. Straight through, bish bash posh. And back then, they I don't think they even had tests for it back then. No, no, I don't think back in January, so. why would you for it for a disease that's only just come on? And that was the first I'd heard of it. And and from that moment onwards, kind of slowly tracked the, the the move of of the virus from china to i think in italy in europe italy first yeah and then obviously you had a lot of school children out on ski trips in northern italy that then brought it back to the uk and that's how it got back to the uk but that was the, the first i heard of it i think for me it would have been probably around january time i think i heard about it on the news uh, of like this virus spreading around china and i remember i was having a conversation in our house around the table at dinner i can't remember if it was january or february and we we were we were all just sort of unanimously like we were just like yeah it's won't be, it'll be a matter of time before it's in this country like that's yeah. that's literally what what we said maybe we're just pessimists in our household I don't know but like we were by January February we were kind of like yeah I'll probably just end up in this country at some point even though we yeah. didn't know the severity of it we didn't think it would we never thought about lockdowns or anything like that we didn't know how long it would go on for we didn't know a lot about it just like everyone else but for some reason we were just like yeah it's inevitably just be in this country but I assume that we were kind of more think it was another swine flu kind of thing yeah that's weird because like, I wouldn't say it was particularly pessimistic because me and my uni friends that I was living with at that point I wouldn't say particularly pessimistic but we were watching it come wave by wave watching people watch quick like graphic images coming over from the, the hospitals in Italy thinking this is going to come over here but for some reason the prevailing attitude amongst the British people was this kind of British exceptionalism well that would never happen to us you know 
not based in science at all. Like, why would it not happen to us? We're like, on an island. Just... It can't travel yeah. over water. Exactly. As if it would so... get to the English Channel and then it would just evaporate into the air, all the COVID mm. particles. Our Britishness so... would stop it. Yeah, exactly. Our stiff kind of staunch, kind of stiff upper lip and British spirit, keep calm and carry on, mm-hmm. would stop it. But I remember, because obviously we were alerted to it quite early on from my my friend who knew people, one person in, in China, watching it slowly, slowly and be like, this is this is going to hit, it's going to hit. We didn't adapt our behaviours at all, like whatsoever, until March, I think. So a good two months. So, I mean, the, when you look back at it, the government had a good two months to prepare and didn't, well, it, it just we were seemed... out here saying... You know, this, this COVID thing's a bit of a going to be a bit of a nightmare. It was strange how, yeah, the government didn't seem to really t- think much of it and weren't taking it particularly seriously. But then it's weird how we were sort of inevitably it was like going to hit this country. I don't know whether maybe they thought it would hit this country, but perhaps just didn't bother acting. I don't really know. But I, it was just it was a very strange period of time. Those early few months. I remember I think I mentioned it in one of my roast of the week videos I did at the time. Mm. I was talking about like people were. At, the sort of horse racing and like there was a Liverpool match going on or something like that. And I was like, should this not really sort of be like just cancelled? I wasn't even like calling for a lockdown or anything. It just seemed a bit strange to have a mass event when something's yeah. quite clearly kicking off. I mean, I, I went on a night out, I think, uh, 2nd of March and we ended up in lockdown, I think, was it 23rd March? Or something 23rd around? of March was the exact lockdown. Yeah, three things, three, around there. Three so that, things on that that kind of exemplify the, the confusion from the, the early days and... The first one is, you know, do you remember Jenny Harris, the deputy chief medical mm-hmm. officer? She sometimes do the COVID fan. briefings on the on the news. We're big fans on, on this podcast. There's a video from her account on Twitter that they put out. I don't know if you've seen it. It's still up there where she's saying, and by the way, don't bother with the masks. She's doing like a Q&A with Boris Johnson. Yeah. And Boris Johnson is posing the, the public's questions to her as the amount, <laughs> of people that he, the amount of people that he is. Because he's obviously very, very in touch with what the rules are at specific times as, mm-hmm. as Boris obviously setting them. And he says to her, and then I've seen a lot of people that want to wear masks, like, what do you think of masks? And she sits there and she goes, masks make absolutely no difference to transmission whatsoever. And we know what happened further, like a couple of months down the line, when wearing masks basically became a statement, a religion, a look at me. And they mm-hmm. do actually make a tangible scientific difference. So there was that. There was the uh, World Health Organization tweet about human to human transmission is yeah. impossible. It's only animal to human transmission, which is still up there. Yeah, that, wrong. that one's still up from like, I think it was January, they said this is yeah. not transmissible between two humans. And then like two weeks later, they went, we found evidence to suggest that it's actually transmissible <laughs> between humans. And it's like, how can you get Maya that culpa, so wrong? Maya culpa, we got that wrong. And how the you, third thing that, that exemplifies the, the confusion early on is something that you allude to. The Cheltenham Horse Racing Festival and the Liverpool Atletico Madrid football match, which were basically within two or three days of uh, our actual full national lockdown. 100,000 people at the Cheltenham Horse Racing Festival. And with the Liverpool match, uh, Champions League match, you have people coming over from Madrid, which is basically like a hot ble- a hotbed of uh, COVID at that point. So retrospective studies have looked at the impact of those events going ahead and traced thousands, tens of thousands of COVID cases back to those specific mm-hmm. events going ahead. If you look at the, the, rate, the death rates from COVID in hospitals around Cheltenham, so like Gloucestershire and Liverpool as well, in that initial stage of the pandemic, they were a lot higher than on average and in other places because of those events going ahead. Yeah, it, it just it seemed like a very bizarre, bizarre thing to do. I mean, I still don't even really know how I feel about 
all the restrictions and all the different uh, different times and these kind of things. I mean, there was so much were just ridiculous. I mean, the first lockdown, things like you couldn't exercise for more than an hour. No scientific yeah. basis for that. If people want to go on a bike ride, if you live out in the countryside, you're fortunate enough to live out in the countryside, and you want to go for a bike ride for the day, you should have been allowed to do that. Like there shouldn't have been, should not have been any laws. It was illegal to sit on a park bench for God's sake. I mean, again, how many lives is that saving? How many hospitalizations is that saving? It's it's just ridiculous. There were some ridiculous laws, but I think. I am definitely, I was definitely in favour of stopping the large scale events. I think that just made common sense. I mean, you don't want to be having 50,000 people packed together. So I think that made sense. But as as for like, as the pandemic went on and, you know, should we have gone into a full lockdown? Should that have ever happened? Should mm. we, as Boris Johnson suggested on this morning, take it on the chin or whatever he said, to those words, those, that effect. It's very difficult even now to look back. And I, I think what was interesting through the two years was how different people's perceptions of the threat were. And even still today, there's people, still people that are really sort of threatened by and think about it a lot and are still taking precautions and that kind of thing. And so it is really, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the first lockdown? Like, I mean, how how long did you think it would go on for to begin with? Well, we had, was it two weeks to flatten the curve, two yeah. weeks to suppress the virus, and that's how they got everybody to to kind of obey the rules in the initial kind of phase. But I do remember thinking, as probably everybody else, that it's, this is going to take a lot longer than two weeks because people on the continent in Europe, they're always two weeks along the curve, like ahead of us anyway, in terms of where they're at with the virus. And things at that point were still getting worse. And you look at it from a from a scientific perspective and it's it's going to take longer than two weeks isn't it for these, those kind of infections to to come down but it was obviously a very effective way of framing it you know stay inside for two weeks and you can enjoy your summer so i think that those measures were necessary though in the, in the initial phase i mean at this point covid was basically an unknown and and, and for a large part it still is an unknown long-term effects of covid are still not known it's a new kind of disease in a way so there's always going to be some point where you're going to have to stay at home reduce your social contacts or whatever order your shopping online maybe you know that sort of stuff reduce the amount of people you're seeing in 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 one day but it's about how 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 much can the the economy take up until that point because you're getting into june july in this first lockdown when businesses would be thriving pubs would be full the euros was meant to be on that summer so how much money were they losing out on because furlough wasn't free and we're paying the price of furlough now with mm. higher taxes. So there all there was always that trade-off between health and the, the economy. And I'm, I suppose for the government, at least, it got to a point where just before we out to help out, they, they were like, the economy, we can't keep on paying out on furlough indefinitely. So we're going to have to let people mix again, but in a safe manner. And that's where the rule of six came from and rules like that. But don't you think that, I mean, I think that the thing I am still, I still have question marks about is the fact that, you know, yes, there's clearly they need to do something, they need to take some sort of action. We couldn't just continue exactly as normal, but I'm still not hundred percent sure whether I agree with it being by law. Like that's where I just, yeah. it feels wrong to say that you can't see anybody by law outside yeah. your household that just in, innately feels wrong to me to, to say that. I think you know with fear being so high at that point at that point yeah. it was high a lot among most people because it was sort of an unknown I think that, mm. would, that would have been the moment in time where you could have said very strong guidance this is what we're telling you to do if you don't follow this guidance you are putting yourself and those that you're socializing with or seeing outside or whatever a lot of risk and maybe that could have been a better way of going about it when fear was highest i don't know it's just something about making it illegal by law to you know see somebody even like one person in your front garden that kind of thing 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I do think that the laws and rules that were put in place initially were far, far, far too stringent, but they were born out of a lack of understanding about what the virus was. And by lack of understanding, I don't mean misunderstanding. I mean, this virus was a complete unknown. But in the sense that if, if, if you're not imposing these laws, you do create some kind of two-tiered society, whereas, the, you know, where those people that feel as if they're not scared of the virus by virtue of the fact that they're young and that their immune system can handle that virus can go out freely and socialise as they want, or even maybe, you know, go to the pub and say we have the rule of six from the off. So some rules, but not complete and like total lockdown, like what we had. They're still free to do that. But just because you're over 65, you feel like you can't go out because you're genuinely scared of the virus. That's not fair. And do I trust people that are living with parents and grandparents to act responsibly and not go out and bend the rules if they're not enforceable by law? And that, I think that that... I don't know anybody that personally that gave a family member COVID and that, that family member passing away, but I imagine, imagine living with that. Mm. So I do feel like they needed to kind of rule with an iron fist, I think, from the off. It did get increasingly, increasingly ridiculous, don't get me wrong, but in that initial phase where nobody knew what this virus was, but I think they did have a, maybe they, had... they need to come on with, 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 a, with a stronger kind of take on it. But they did have three months of knowledge. So they found out about it, I think, in like early January or maybe even late December, I think, was maybe when China first yeah. alerted them to it. And they pretty quickly were researching. I know in the UK, because they were they were working on coronavirus vaccines in the UK in January. Yeah. And as soon as they got like the, the necessary sequence from the virus, then they began working on the the, the vaccine from then. So they, they had some information as to how it spread. I don't know how quite the information got lost in translation as to whether masks worked or didn't work and all that kind of thing. And I think the general consensus was they had some degree of effect, but even still to this day, some people don't fully understand why people wear them. They think they're wearing it to protect them rather yeah. than protecting other people. And it's, I don't know how all that information got lost in translation. How was that not so clearly? I mean, it should have just been clearly said to people like, this is the evidence for this. Like, yes, it's going to stop droplets, but it's not going to stop all the coronavirus. It still can breathe through it. I just, I was a bit frustrated with the lack of clear information, particularly early on. Yeah. And that adds to the fear and adds to the chaos. If we're talking about from the off, from late December, early January, and you're talking about containing the virus, I'm not sure the Chinese government's cover up, you know, they're covering their own backs from the off. I'm not sure that that necessarily helped with a free kind of flow of information and accurate information because mm. China had a head start on this because the virus originated there, whether you want to believe a conspiracy theory about it or not, whether you want to believe it came from a wet market or from a lab, they yeah. had the knowledge. They had their, well, maybe we'll get onto that. They mm -hmm. had the knowledge from the off and they chose to, to, to cover it up to cover their own backs. So and maybe if they give the rest of the world a head start on that, we could have got a grasp on it, you know, pretty much sooner. But I remember I was scared of it when I, I was on the, the, the train home from university on the day that they announced the lockdown, there were rumors flying around before Boris's kind of, you know, big speech. And I remember being on the train and, you know, I'm, my attitude towards the virus was very kind of gung-ho, cavalier, super spread. Mm -hmm. But I remember sitting That's on the train. you've had it, like, you know, a dozen times. Yeah, twi twice, only twice. It's what we know of those, what we know. Mm. But I remember like getting off the train, not touching any of the handrails, being like, well, I don't want them. They're on this virus, they're on this virus or whatever. Because at that point, everybody thought that it was kind of like uh, transmitted by touch and not, not necessarily airborne. Mm. Uh, so even then, the lack of understanding got me. But that lack of understanding came out of the fact that the Chinese government, who had been experiencing, you know, this virus for a good two or three months at that point, were trying to cover their own backs by not sharing what they knew about it to to other countries. Obviously, I, I of still, course they would. 
I still feel like there was enough information, though, about what coronavirus, because it's not like there's no coronaviruses. This is just another coronavirus. I still feel like there was enough information that should have been distributed properly, though, to people. I mean, there are, there are still people who think that it was readily spread by touching things, and it, it wasn't yeah. really. That wasn't prime, the prime transmission. It, I think it could have been, but it wasn't the primary way in which it was done, for sure. No, I remember the day after the, the, the first lockdown was announced, and I got a picture of it on my phone. My dad went to fill up his car with petrol wearing a pair of, latex gloves and there's still people that like you said that go out there on a bus wearing a mask because they think it would protect themselves mm. and obviously the the mask is reducing the droplets that are coming out of your mouth infecting yeah other people there's still a lot of not misinformation because that makes it seem like there's some kind of malice there people have good intentions but they just don't understand the nature of the the virus but i do think that those initial measures were necessary it doesn't mean that i agree with the clapping on the doorstep which got, <laughs> we'll bit, that. which got a bit ridiculous you know those measures and the grandstanding that came with it but staying inside for a month or two months while you know the, the government and their scientists could could increase their understanding of the, the, the virus and kind of get to know how much the economy could take if that made sense because furlough mm. is crazily expensive but it just goes to show that the government did have the money for that in a you know if they need to spend that money and they need to part with that money. There's enough money in the coffers there to do that when, when push comes to shove. Well, it's and not that money, post- is it? It's our future money that they're spending. Well, exactly, exactly. One thing one thing I was uh, that I forgot to mention, actually, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I think it was a February time, I'd go back to Leeds for a night out, mm-hmm. and I was in, uh, in the train station, and uh, I remember seeing somebody get on the train in a full hazmat suit. <laughs> and that was like, oh, wow, okay. Like This was before it even got into the country. It was never, wasn't reported to have been in the country. It probably was by this point, but it wasn't reported yeah, on the news or anything. And uh, yeah, they were in a full hazmat suit with like the, the proper sort of mask on and everything like that, contained completely with gloves yeah. on and everything. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is serious, is this? As, <laughs> as if we were on the, the kind of verge of a nuclear apocalypse. Like yeah, Chernobyl and everyone, everyone was obviously dressed normally. There was no masks back then, so he stuck out <laughs> like a sore thumb on the train in a white No wonder wearing suit. a hazmat suit. Yeah, no wonder. I don't know how he got through those tiny ticket barriers at Leeds Station where he has about to. He'd have to go through sideways and kind of shuffle through, as if he didn't already look ridiculous enough. But yeah, but that's and as much as I'm in favour of those initial measures, I think yeah, fair enough. They got a bit ridiculous in terms of the the exercise restrictions and the limitations on like if you want if you drove to a beauty spot in the Peak District or the Lake District, and the police would swarm on you. I don't necessarily see the rationale behind that there was drone, drone footage of people taking the dogs yeah. for a walk and it was like they were they were 15 miles away or 16 miles away or whatever it was and it's like who cares they're out for a yeah, walk no. in the middle of nowhere like why are you using police resources on that and it's like that yeah. sort of like rhetoric and the way you can carry on those things doesn't help the situation just adds more fear and it's just the kind of the, the taping over of park benches yeah. as well a park bench that can fit a maximum of three or four people on, you know. How many lives are you saving that? How many hospitalizations are you reducing with that? And at that point, you've, you've got a point because the fear was drilled into people so vehemently that like, even if you have a park bench that could fit four people on, if you have two people sat on it, other people are going to be like, well, I'm not going to sit there now because yeah. there's this big deadly virus on the loose. So that did get a bit ridiculous, but the measures that they, they implemented, I think in the, from the off were necessary. But as we kind of came closer and closer towards the summer, towards July when things were to to open up again I feel like that 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 was long enough and obviously the the government or the government's economists at least agreed with that because that's when they opened up the pubs on like the 4th of July the first week of July is when they opened up the pubs for a eat out to help out and it, at that point you do say enough is enough mm. it's I people 
started acting so out of character and doing things that they otherwise wouldn't have done. Buzz cuts, I know I'm a bit late to that one. Mullets, I started that one. Zoom calls and Zoom quizzes. And do you remember House Party? I sound like Peter Kay, don't I? Do you remember House Party? <laughs> Anybody remember House Party? Remember that app, House Party? Oh. Everybody's doing House Party, that app. Uh, that, sure that first, like yeah, that first lockdown was a very unusual one. I'm trying to think. I just remember I, I decided that, because I wasn't really like, I tried to not even like get too into it kind of thing. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm in the middle of nowhere anyway. I didn't wasn't really see my mates that much. I was probably well, I've seen them maybe if, if, twice a month, maybe something like that. Um, but I was I was kind of like, I'm just going to throw myself into my work and just focus on that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know. I, I remember just playing um, PC games. Like I, I just I, I was playing chess and a game <laughs> called like Anno sixteen oh three. I think it, it's called like a strategy oh, game. It's like, like a, a Roman war. style kind of medieval. yeah. It's not. I don't think it's Roman, but it's like medieval kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. I was kind of, I was playing that for like hours on end, and that was it. Like that, and just doing YouTube videos. It's weird how that sort of like just was a way of filling time and people doing random stuff. And TikTok really took off. It was obviously already big before then, but it really took off during the pandemic. Yeah, I a couple of that. A couple of the trends. I vowed though after after that lock that first lockdown, or maybe it was the second one actually. To be fair, never to do another Zoom quiz again. If you want to quiz with me, we're quizzing in person because I'm not bothered by it. But I was, I just threw myself into my uni work. You were right, uni, you know, basically from the offset. Well, the exams you were going to do in an exam hall are now online, so I get preparing for them. Mm-hmm. Uni's not on for, for for the last term of that year. Uni's not on, so you're still paying your tuition fees. You're still paying your rent. But uni's uni's not on. I did, yeah. But I mean, the weather in that first lockdown was 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 insanely good as well. Which was yeah, I think that's why people bonus. were all right with it because everyone was like, oh, "I'll just stay at home, get a tan." I mean, it's nice weather. It's not that bad. It's why I see these tweets now saying, "Oh, does anybody long for the first lockdown?" I'm thinking, <laughs> you don't. You long for being on off work on furlough, landing in a back garden, doing nothing all day. Yeah. I I just remember <clears> doing that and thinking. It's literally illegal for me to see people. I hated it, but maybe that mm. speaks to the type of person that, that I am, maybe, maybe. At what point did we have to start clapping for carers? Was that after the end of the first lockdown? Where, it, was where during, was it, was, it was definitely during the first lockdown. I can't remember whose bright idea it was, but it was definitely in the first lockdown. I, think... I want to say early April. Yeah, you see, looking back on that, that really freaks me out a little bit, because to me that's like something out of Black Mirror now in... In hindsight, it's like this sort of thing where people obviously the intention is to show you appreciation for, for carers, etc. My mum at the time was a carer, so it wasn't like I didn't have any appreciation. For she was her. clapping herself. Um, well, we were clapping her, she was coming back from work and all that. It's just it was getting a bit ridiculous. But it was like it was I just it was the idea that if you didn't do it felt like if you didn't do this, you'd be frowned upon and socially yeah. you'd be sort of like looked down on. And I don't like things like that. You no, can show appreciation without standing outside your house and applauding. That just feels performative to me. Yeah, well, that was the ultimate kind of social signalling back then. And if if you if you dared to miss a week, what day of the was it? Every Thursday, Thursday every, yeah, every Thursday. Clap for care on a Thursday. And if you dared to miss it, the neighbours would be talking about you across your garden. You'd have the neighbours yeah. on the left gesturing to the neighbours on the right. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Not we didn't even. We didn't even have any neighbours, and, and people yeah, were still doing was, it. And it's you're just clapping for now at that point. You're just clapping for now. But we did it. I did it. I don't know why, but I did I, it. I think I did why, it once fact, or twice. I know why I did it because you'd be sat watching TV and seven pm, eight pm, which was a ridiculous time. It was all oh. come around, and they stopped transmission. Every single channel was stopped yeah. transmission. The BBC Tele- would be there it's saying like it's, time, it. it's time to clap for carers. The ITV is time to clap for carers. 
there was you had no choice really but it, it was bizarre but we had nothing better to do than, than do that and i remember do you remember the 5 p.m briefings on uh, yeah know, all that uh, kind of Boris stuff and uh, chris witty and patrick valens you know and people i remember seeing videos of people pausing them getting the family around to watch them every day just to see how many how many deaths how many cases are they going up they're going down it's a weekend so they're going down of course they are we compare it week on week it did get it got absolutely ridiculous but the clap for carers i didn't i didn't like we had a nurse that would go out and do like beep the horn and drive around manically <laughs> to kind of soak in the applause as if she just make the last minute me. the last minute winner in a champions league final she put nhs on the side of a car just seeing you, <laughs> just seeing you. Paramedics, I bet they were loving it. Nino, yeah. Nino, all that. But it's when it, they started doing like donuts in the in the with like boats doing donuts in the tent yeah, and just, stuff. I'm like, just, this is getting ridiculous now. I was just thinking of I'm I'm sure as well that video of everybody on the Westminster Bridge clapping the boat doing yeah. donuts when they're not social distancing by the yeah. way on the bridge. But there was a big outrage sure about bridge, that, wasn't there, on social media? It was Westminster Bridge and the boat was the HMS Doris Day, I think. At that moment, Doris Day had died like two or three weeks before. So it was kind of me, the juxtaposition of this boat absolutely steaming, steaming, (laughs) doing donuts. And every time it came around, you see HMS Doris Day on the side and reminding the fact that the boat was named after a woman that had recently died. In many ways, she's turning in her grave. Yeah, I bet she She's so. oscillating in the Thames right now, is, yeah. uh, is Doris Day. But that's when it just got all ridiculous. That was when it was like something out of Black Mirror and people were like going it, out with whacking the bins and stuff. It was like they were trying to find different ways of making noise. And it, I think that's, that's why I only did it once or twice because I pretty quickly realised, oh, okay, this isn't just a one-off. This is like, it feels a bit yeah. more political here. It feels a yeah. little bit, I don't know, I didn't like it. It, it got it got very, very cultish. But then you have people mm. taking it to the next level on the... Um, was it D-Day? Was there an anniversary of D-Day during yeah. lockdown? And there was the famous video of that street doing the conga. Oh, it was V-Day. I can't remember if it was V-Day. V-Day, or... D-Day, yeah. some day, some war thing. I don't know. I didn't do anything for The it. conga thing, that was brilliant. I did it. That That's was in one of my videos was that. The con- <laughs> them doing the conga in the street. And this was at like the height of lockdown. This was probably like yeah. April time, I think. And yeah. it was like, there was obviously social distancing, that kind of thing. And then you have this, this, this whole street doing the conga. It was just like it's so ridiculous. They were like, no, but we're all we're all uh, touching different parts of the string. That kind of yeah. we're not touching the same parts of the string. And it's they like, weren't even really... socially distanced that lot. That lot in that video that went yeah. viral. They might as well have been like a street party or something like that. We're not they touching not... each other. We're touching the string. So yeah. that is that in the rules? Get any was... get a new rule book. Yeah, but then I mean, there's a, there's a, there is a moral debate to be had because obviously around the same time as this, you had the George Floyd incident kicking off in america and then a lot of kind of domino protests in the uk regarding black lives matter so mm-hmm. the height of lockdown the protests of black lives matter protesters in bristol were toppling the statue of edward colston the slave owner slave trader into the river avon and there were a lot of protests in big cities leeds birmingham london manchester and people with good intentions they weren't socially distanced and you had mps at those events is that wrong is that right it's a whole kind of moral maze that's brought about by stringent rules ridiculous rules on people's liberty well i think for one the one for me that i didn't like was the sarah everand uh, sarah, sarah everand vigil i think it everard was. is it everard, everard? Yeah. i thought it was everand yeah, yeah, yeah. no we'll, we'll fact check that sarah i'll call sarah that vigil that one was the one that i really didn't like the way that was handled because yeah. i think when someone's died the hands of a police officer in the way that she died yeah to then have women being like manhandled by police officers Mm. and being arrested and that kind of thing it's just like you've got to 
you've got to show a little bit of common sense at that point, a little bit of decency at that point. I don't care what the rules are. Like, someone's died. It's not a good look to have police officers pinning women to the ground, is it? I think it's the back of that. There's a broader point when it comes to policing events, protests like these, especially that are so politically charged against police officers, because that's how George Floyd died. George Mm -hmm. Floyd died. Um, I know it wasn't in the UK, but still we had these kind of domino protests over over here, these kind of knock-on protests. And with the Sarah Everard thing especially, because that was in London, where the Met Police were policing that particular protest. I'm not sure of the need for police presence at those events whatsoever, because it only serves to antagonise protesters. If these protesters start loosing and destroying businesses and shops, that's when we call the, the police in. But a vigil. I'm not sure of the need for, for police officers to be at a, a silent candlelit vigil. And obviously they were there because of the government's coronavirus rules. They were there to ensure people maintain social distancing. Mm. Otherwise there'd be a minimum need for, for, for police officers to attend a vigil. But it's park. like, it's it's outside as well. Do you know what I mean, like, and obviously, we, you know, we know that transmission outside is very minimal. That's why like all, all these protests didn't really cause too many spikes and things. Most, they're all bikes, outside. most bikes at all yeah. came from from these it's just uh, so unnecessary i think that's that's probably a broader point about the state of policing in america mm. and in, the, in in this country as opposed to the virus itself but it is an interesting point to make when is a when is a mass event in a pandemic okay but also can you can you just get rid of people's rights to protest like that at any point you know I, I don't know i just was i was deeply uncomfortable with the sort of restrictions on people's freedoms and to do those kind of things because i don't know it's just it's, it's very it's very uncomfortable because then you know at what point can you just you can prolong this for as long as you want at this point if you're mm-hmm. the one in charge you can end this prolong this as for as long as you want we have to just trust that you know what you're doing and well, we I know that scientists it, would, were disagreeing on things never mind interestingly you know last year post-pandemic the government adapted the laws on the right to protest anyway Mm, so yeah yeah. there is that as well but in terms of that before you are right i think that the accusation has been waged at at government scientists and at sage in particular i can't remember what that stands for the the sage the the advisory body there was sage and then there was the one the unofficial sage there was two sages they were they were always in war weren't they yeah but the the government scientific board anyway the argument that's been that's been waged against them is that they got a bit too power hungry because basically you look at it before the pandemic you've got a group of oddball scientists that meet once a month to discuss nothing exotic diseases and this and that and then suddenly these people are thrust into the public limelight and they're getting interviewed on public tv and you have members of this board that are every day doing a government briefing at 5pm, basically telling people how many times a day they can leave their homes. There is a lot of credence to the argument that these people enjoyed that power and that attention that they were getting. There's also a lot of credence to, to the idea that these are people that live this reality, that know the, the, the consequences of this kind of deadly virus, and that would make them extra, extra alert and extra, extra sympathetic to their scientific view rather than the economic view. But I couldn't help but feel, and maybe this was my resentment as being a, a 20, 21-year-old kind of student that, that had their liberties taken away from them at the time where you enjoy them the most. Clubs were closed, uni was closed, etc. But I couldn't help but think that they prolonged the measures longer than they needed to because they were either so engrossed in the virus or because they enjoyed the limelight. And I know yeah. that's a stupid thing to say when, when people are dying. It's a stupid thing to say that maybe they were enjoying the limelight a bit too much. But it did definitely kind of have that 
that feel to it. When you see them, these scientists on this morning, you know, mm. Sky News, BBC News, everywhere, because it was all anything anybody was talking about. It's easy to feel like that. I think for me, the, the concern I had was that they're obviously their their knowledge is specifically about that that um in, in this case coronavirus like some of them were coronavirus experts some of them are just sort of scientists and uh, epidemiologists that kind of thing um but that that's their specific knowledge my concern was that they were made to be at times if or it felt like they were being made decision makers as like they were in control of all they, the aspects of our country and it's like well yeah you, your your understanding is of one particular bit it's not for you to decide it's for you to advise and i don't know how much of of that was going on how much control they had or not it's really difficult to tell from an outside perspective advisors advise and the government governs was always my view on that but then the government's response was always we're following the scientists and it's like well if you were following the scientists we might still be in a full lockdown here so you're sort of not really exactly that exactly that it got to the point where they were obviously placing more weight on the, the 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 advice of the scientific advisors and less so on the treasury but even then you had some people in the health the health community if that's a thing you know that kind of feel they were saying that i hope so they're my mm. favorite give them a pay rise yeah 10 percent <laughs> at least well with inflation give them 20 i'm gonna give them 20. 25 25 you're you a bit stingy 26 26 7 27 you win i'm not gonna give anyone that 28 is <laughs> a, a step super but you had some people that were saying well people's mental health is taking a battering in this pandemic which was true because mm-hmm. humans are innately social, even you. Mm-hmm. It gets to a point, doesn't it? Surely it gets to a point where you're stretching this elastic band further and further. And you can stay in, you've got to stay in for one week, one month, two months, three months. Oh, then we'll let you out. But you can only socialise with six people. And then so-and-so has got to be from your household and this and that. It gets to a point where people's mental health is taking a toll as well as the economy. And I think a lot of people overlooked that. Mm-hmm. A lot of scientific advisors overlooked that because they were so engrossed with the epidemiology of it all. And you are, you raise a, 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 a point in the sense that there, there's some people, some prominent scientists on Twitter that are on the, 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 the government board, the SAGE board, or were on the SAGE board when it actually existed, who were still advocating lockdowns come 2021, late mm-hmm. 2021. And Rishi Sunak actually came out recently and he said he's the only reason that there wasn't another lockdown in December 2021, so last Christmas after the second dose had been rolled out, but you never know what to believe with, with politicians. To yeah. Get a pinch of salt, yeah. Maybe. But yeah. I, I don't know. The whole thing was just, um, I don't know, really, really uncomfortable around that sort of period of time. I don't know. It was a strange thing. And you do mention obviously with, with mental health as well. And I think I mentioned it on the mental health podcast that we did, but that was, I remember being at the end of, I think it was the end of 2021. Wait, what were we? No, not the end of 2021. End of 2020. And having to yeah. go to A and E because I'd had a panic attack and that kind of thing. And that was undoubtedly as a result of not seeing anybody. I mean, I'd seen, I think in total during the two years, I think I'd seen my mates maybe on four occasions like that in two years. Because I wasn't even I wasn't even going out in summer. Like even when the restrictions right. went down, I think I went out once that summer. The whole summer yeah. I went out once and saw you and spoons. And yeah. so look at you. Yeah. And no so wonder. <laughs> no wonder. And so like that whole thing was so was so difficult. It wasn't just yes. the lockdown. The lockdowns I could actually handle okay. It was when people started coming out and I wasn't. Yeah. That seeing other people, like even with some degree of restrictions, that was the difficult bit for me personally. Yeah, and obviously people's different personal circumstances impact upon their freedom to do X and Y when X and Y is legal, if that makes sense. So obviously you didn't want mm-hmm. to go out because you were living with people that maybe 
we're working in the caring profession that we're mm-hmm. in contact with yeah. vulnerable people or maybe and, vulnerable people themselves and my granddad as well yeah so obviously you've got to be but this is what i mean when we spoke earlier about the creating two kind of tiers of society type of thing if people were free to do whatever they wanted it would be easy for me at that in that first lockdown to go yeah well the government strongly advised that i can't go out but if i go up to uni and i'm living with a bunch of 21 year olds we can just go out partying every night yeah i'm not, not, not saying that i would have had nightclubs open i'm just saying i but think even would... pubs even the the act of doing things with other people that you don't live with outside mm. the house having a significant proportion of the population being able to do that and then a significant proportion of the the population not being able to do that on their own conscience fair enough is not fair to me but i can see your point because of the the ridiculous nature of those restrictions i think i think what i would have probably been more in favor of is not having the 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 only sort of laws really being in place would have been no like pubs restaurant clubs these kind of things like big sort of gathering environments Mm -hmm. And just sort of give them really strong advice whilst fear was still high at that point. So you'd and have people you... staying outside? Yeah, I, I'd have had people parts, like yeah. being able to socialise outside, yeah. Mm. in on, Only up to a small point, though. I wonder if, you, you know, you can't have hundreds of people, that kind of thing. But no. to, to a smaller degree, yeah, I would have probably had that in the first lockdown. Um, never... Just because I think transmission was so ridiculously low. Outside. If they knew that, I can't remember, but if they knew at that point, early on that the transmission was so low outside then I don't understand why we had police cars patrolling around with speakers on saying you can only spend 30 minutes outside and only get off this piece of grass and you know no picnics here and things like that <laughs> that wouldn't make sense at all but I think we both probably reached the lowest point you know in terms of COVID at the same point that the winter 2020 was bleak and I'm not sure why it was so bleak because was that when we had two lockdowns it was September and December yeah or November the whole of November was a lockdown right. mm-hmm and then things started getting worse over the Christmas again because of the, the so-called Kent variant. Yeah. I'm not sure why that was so bleak. Maybe because we'd had the taste of freedom because I had the, the lockdown. It had the lockdown. And then in the September, we went back to uni. September, October was fine. And on Halloween, just as we were preying to go out to a Halloween party, the government announced another lockdown. But obviously, with, with them announcing these lockdowns, they'd announce a lockdown, they say, but it comes into effect in a few days. So then everybody would rush out. Everybody would rush out and go out because, you know, it's our last taste of freedom for a month, uh, which was a, a ridiculous strategy. It must, it must be said. But, but, but we did, we went out. It encourages it, though, by having those yeah. strict laws. People yeah. go, oh, well, I've got to make most of it. By that point, I remember thinking, I, I disagree fundamentally with the way the government is, is going about. The first lockdown, I understood, and I understood because I didn't understand the nature of the virus. The second lockdown in November, November 2020, didn't understand that one bit and i feel but by that point you've had long enough to get a stranglehold on the virus if you're struggling to get a stranglehold on the virus by that point when it's been in transmission for about six months maybe it's time to just give people a little bit more freedom as opposed to go the other way maybe just say this is a coronavirus we can't control it it's more lethal than the flu if you want to go and get it by now you know the consequences we've seen the consequences we've seen the images on the news of people dying people on ventilators that's your prerogative and that's what i did (laughs) <laughs> no word of it's what i did it's also it's still for a little bit of debate as to whether it is more lethal than, than the flu i mean the thing that is for sure is that it's more transmissible than, than the flu i think the flu's got around a two percent death rate and i think this 
coronavirus has around about two percent death rate. If some yeah. people argue it's even less than that. So it, this the, this is what I mean. Like the facts became so sort of blurred that still nobody really knows like what the death rate was. Nobody really knows like how many people's had it and that kind of thing. And like the, the sort of facts became so blurred that it became really difficult to know what was going on and that just added to the chaos and made it easier to control people because if you lack information then you look for authority for that information yeah. and for that guidance which were, what, what should i be doing here boris i've seen, That's what some I've people seen do. anything from a 1.5 percent death rate to a five percent death rate which may not sound like a lot but I've that's seen 0. 0.1. yeah exactly the numbers kind of vary that much but it got to the point in that november where i was thinking by this point and we'd already had a bit of an erosion in public trust as well because Fergie, one of the government scientists. Shout out. I'll, he's a great guy. What a player. Who was, who was so fervently, so fervently in favour of lockdown that the papers dubbed him Professor Lockdown. Mm-hmm. He got caught. Was he having an affair? I think he was having an affair. Did he know, say it's, that? it's sexier if he is. Let's just say he is. He was, he's quite a Swiss guy for that, for a man of that age, to be fair, I'd say. When you're fertile, you know. Well, I mean, lockdown turned everybody feral as well. You remember the, the dishy rishy stuff at Weatherspoons as well? Rishi Sunak's not a looker, but he was getting the dishy rishy tag. But by that point, we'd had a, there's probably COVID fatigue involved in it and a COVID kind of a erosion of trust to go with that. By the November, I was going to like, if they can't get a stranglehold hold on it by this point, what difference is another month going to give, if that makes sense? Mm. We knew a bit better then. There was no kind of pretense. There was no kind of two weeks to flatten the curve it was we're staying for a month and we'll see what happens at christmas christmas things got worse and that's when i decided to defer my year at university because it was impossible to be as productive at uni as i wanted to be because i had nothing to look forward to you go to the library at uni have to wear a mask there'd be tape everywhere limited you had to book seats in advance no clubs were open a vital part of the, the uni experience the social kind of aspects of that and I was still paying as much as I would have been anyway for a normal year. So I decided to kick the book in and develop an alcohol addiction. At the end of the day, a little bit of alcohol has never killed anyone, has it? Do you know what I mean? Nope. So not as, not as lethal as COVID. Not as lethal as COVID. Five percent like death rate. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah. that's that's sort of my one of my points that I wanted to make was: did lockdown create more vulnerable people than it saved? That's vulnerable the question. Mentally or vulnerable? Yeah. Well, in any way, like older people isolated. Yeah. Young people and their mental health being isolated, like older people not being able to get out as much, so physically they they lose mobility. I think, some, I think a discourse we're about to see, we've been seeing it a, a little bit already, is the amount of preventable deaths, say cancer deaths, mm. because of the effect that COVID had on waiting lists and in-person GPs appointments. The knock-on effects of that, I think, are yet to be seen. I think COVID had a profound effect on many people's mental health myself included but i think with me it didn't necessarily have a positive effect but i did do now value socializing even more mm-hmm. maybe a little, a little bit too much if that makes definitely. sense that would definitely make sense and that's <laughs> it checks out it checks out yeah and that's a bad thing because now you've got a whole generation of people that if they deep it and they think about it they think when i was 18 19 i mean i wasn't that young when i was 19 20 20 21 Twitter. had a kind of wasted wasted year so i might as well make the most of it and go out and get battered now etc etc you know what i mean but that is a pervasive way of thinking i remember so i'm it's genu- genuinely how i'm thinking not the battered part but like it's that's that's one of the things <laughs> i can weigh from it as being like that's two years of my youth sort of just gone because like i said like i said yeah. previously i saw my friends four times in two years that's just not that's not normal it's for not a normal it's not old. right it's not exactly something you're going to tell yourselves tell your kids um 
when you're older in a positive light, is no. it really? When and that that window is the the time when you and your friends are all free and everything is harmonious, and that's when you're free from the shackles of work or from a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and you do stuff together. It's not like it was we a couple were of weeks. shackles. It was- Hold up in a in a room, but I do. I remember being Tesco's last year, and they had this deal on the right, and you could get you oh could get three you could get three six hundred and sixty milliliter bottles of Moretti for a fiver, right? And what I do is I put three in and look at the basket, and I go, yeah, that's good for a fiver. Six hundred and sixty milliliter bottles are chunky. And it's Moretti's, Jesus. it's God's nectar, and I go, this last year has been so hellish. I spent it not socialising. Six for a tenner sounds good. No, you and didn't. And I put six in. Six, 660 milliliter bottles of Moretti. And I don't know how You're many You're a proper boozer, aren't you? You really do like have this now. relationship with alcohol, don't you? Before, no word of a lie, you won't believe it. Although maybe you will because you knew me before lockdown. Before lockdown, I didn't even like beer. Mm. You wouldn't catch me drinking beer but before lockdown. This is, this is another point, sorry, that I wanted to add to the, the vulnerable people, but it did lockdown create more vulnerable people than it saved. The other thing I want to add to that is what it did to not just young people, but I'm thinking more about young people, is like, as you say, like drinking more, people staying inside, people yeah. started baking loads. Now, baking's <laughs> ba- it's no, not really no, a problem though. No, don't get me wrong. Baking's fine to do once every now and again, but when it's out like every week, like or multiple times a week, which some people were doing, yeah. you're eating all that, presumably. It's not good stuff for you. You're sat watching <laughs> Netflix. You're sat ordering takeaways in more frequently because you've got to support the local takeaways because then I also open properly. Clap <laughs> for takeaways every Friday. Oh, but it's what we started doing. We started going, oh, God, they can't open. We better get something from the takeaway. Better. Do you know what yeah, I mean? And it starts, yeah, yeah. and people start, they're, they're not moving around as much. They're sat down, don't have to yeah. go to work. Everything's at home. And you build these yeah. new habits, these bad <laughs> habits. That's probably what Ed Sheeran was writing about. These bad habits <laughs> is what you're you're building. And, it's, <laughs> and it leaves people more vulnerable. The amount of people who are probably more overweight after lockdown uh, than they before could, lockdown. They could exercise for 30 minutes per day. It was an hour, an hour, actually. That's an hour. I, only yeah. ever, I could only last 30 minutes and then I came back inside. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you... we, we went on a walk during lockdown. I remember we got half, as a family, we got half an hour down the road and my parents were like, yeah, we've got to turn around now. Half, half an hour. In the middle in. of nowhere. Like, we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's how ridiculous it got. But there is, but maybe there's that kind of solidarity, that kind of idea of there's some people that would be not that are, people that aren't in the middle of nowhere, people that are socializing in parks that can only have an hour. Maybe your parents were in solidarity with them, but it did get very, very ridiculous. I don't know. With the with the with the grandstanding that came about with the virus, especially with the masks, the clapping. The uh, rainbow imagery, people getting their kids to draw pictures of rainbows and stick them in their windows. And a lot of them didn't look like rainbows. They were just a mishmash of colour. But anyway, we're having a go. Not having a go. The kids, the kids are, am I on this podcast? The child but, community. You know, the child art community. You stick those in your window and it's not, it's for posterity. It's not for, for you. It's mm. for everybody else to see. It did get very, very, very silly and i tuned out mentally i'd say after the eat out to help out thing which i think was an amazing idea i think you should bring that back i'd love to see if rishi gets in power you should bring that back yeah uh, i'd I'd vote for if he brought that in if he said i'm gonna bring that in i'll vote for you rishi somebody say half price waggers yeah i'm not gonna say no today was it 50 percent off was that what it was i can't remember 50 percent off except on booze which is a shame that's they go a bit further with that i think Mm. if the monkeypox epidemic rages I want booze half price as well. Yeah, booze, I want booze half price and I want furlough back. But I tuned out after going back to uni because I thought this for me now is a personal response, a matter of personal responsibility. I look at who I'm mixing with at uni in my household, who I'm mixing with when I go out. 
nobody's particularly vulnerable. Anybody that's particularly vulnerable would have probably stayed at home out of the uni environment. Yeah. And I enjoyed my November, December coming over Christmas, January going back. Uh, started to get my heart broken. So we go to... <laughs> but this but is that the... was a lockdown thing as well. That was a lockdown but thing. This is the well. thing. This is what I think it should have been for uni students. Uni... How many uni students are going to die from getting coronavirus? Okay. Yeah, Just literally. let them, they're in their own little bubbles anyway. Do you know what I mean? They're not yeah. interacting with the real world. They're in your own little bubbles. Just let them wander about. Do you know what I mean? They were not, not like most students were listening to the rules anyway, but who cares? The handful, I would say 90% of people didn't listen, 10% of people. Listen, maybe a bit more than that, but mm. it, it, it did get to the point where I go back to, you know, I was behaving completely out of, out of character because I'm not somebody that, because of a lack of anything to do, I would find myself <laughs> getting entangled with people that I otherwise wouldn't have been entangled with just because it was something to do. You had to fill the time somehow, didn't you? Exactly. Let's, let's get into had a load fill something. of flings. I had to fill something, didn't I? A load, yeah, a load of flings I otherwise wouldn't have been in. Exactly. That standards were low. Checking snaps Very... rules on snap maps because I didn't have anything else to do. All that childish Jesus. stuff. Jesus. I was, I was, it was only 20, 21. But it, 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 it changed that, that behaviour. I can't justify it. I can't Don't justify try. it whatsoever. But we came out the other side of it around that April time. Prince Philip died. Uh, well, don't wait. Open again. Did, before this, didn't we have? Did we have vaccine passports at this point? No, Wasn't that we end never of January. Them, no, no, I had. Oh wait, I wasn't fully vaccinated until like July, August. I know you jumped the queue a bit because yeah, well, stole them, stole them, yeah. didn't I? Um, vaccine thief. I'm, when we there was a point where we did bring in vaccine passports, even though they might not necessarily have been used. They were they were sort of. They were oh, briefly the brought in. Yeah, on I the feel app. like that was. I feel like that was the summer. I feel like it was like July, August time. I thought and we had it going into winter. I'm sure. Well, winter 2020, like early winter. Yeah, I thought that's you... how they kept it open in winter, wasn't it? Oh, they didn't. No, have it open they didn't. The first. They didn't. Nothing was open in that winter. January, February, March was absolutely desolate, and all we were doing was getting pissed in each other's houses, counting down the days until like the 18th of April, 2021, which was when pubs were open outside. And then the 18th of May was when you could go in a pub with six people at a table or whatever. And it was kind of gradually easing towards Freedom Day. That whole thing really annoyed me as well. This was another one of the rules I thought was just stupid. Was when you had to enter a restaurant or a cafe wearing a mask. As soon as you sit down, take the mask off. Because obviously you're going to eat, aren't you? And it's like it's not like the tables were miles apart from each other. It's just a normal sort of situation. It's like... What you magically you're still breathing out here, like it's just the whole thing. It just got it felt too performative at times, and it just yeah. frustrated me. It's like you're not it's... really following any science here. You're just trying to remind people this still exists, essentially. When the when the lines get blurred, that's when people start losing faith in the rationale behind. I remember going to a club in in, in Durham, and obviously clubs are still closed, but they convert themselves into bars by putting benches on the Good dance of them. floor. It's the, it's the club you went to in Durham. Oh, on that dance floor. They had like benches on that dance floor, basically. As if that makes, just, makes any difference. We've got to turn it exactly. into, a, into a pub or a bar. Or yeah, exactly. Like, you're all still in the same room. And we, well, but what would happen was I'd be, you know, looking around, as you would in a club, but you're all sat down, eyeing up, seeing, is there anybody I know? Is anybody I'm into? Anybody of a similar persuasion to myself? And there was, and you make eye contact. And then, Can't see them for masks. That, yeah. <laughs> no, we're sat down now, masks are off. Oh, but good. there's no singing along to the music because that means that the... The droplets travel further. They're talking either. You're all doing sign language. <laughs> but you're all there in your six. You go up, you put your mask on because you can't without you can't get up without doing that. Give him the eye, go to the toilet, you both go to the toilets, get off or whatever. Exchanging this in and the that. toilets. Yeah, big time. Jesus. Right. And then what you do, come out the toilets, put your mask back on, 
sit down at your separate tables, <laughs> keep your distance. Got the COVID point? safe, haven't you? Got What's the, COVID the point? Safe. This is it. It was just like it was ridiculous, sort of performative stuff that didn't really seem Rubbish. to have any logic. Even like the vaccine passports, I think they did get briefly introduced at some point. Like the va- that was pointless, completely pointless because people were just creating fake ones. Like they were literally just yeah. editing the text and going, Yeah, that's me. So people just getting through into festivals, nightclubs, whatever. It didn't do anything. It was just like another yeah. sort of unnecessary rule. I don't know whether it was trying to coerce people into getting the vaccine. I don't like that. I don't, didn't feel comfortable. I went to Leeds Fest this summer, and that would have been August 2021. So last summer now. No, last summer, yeah. And it was literally as simple as getting an LFT, not doing it, scanning the QR code on it and saying that it was negative, and then you get the email through. You didn't have to do it. Didn't have to take a picture of it. Didn't have to take a picture of the... The negative tests, you know, the line. Like how many, how many not holes doing it. like in the system there? It's just so stupid, the whole thing. So, there's so many holes in the system that by that point, you probably wonder what's the point in having these loopholes, these the, the holes to jump through at all. It just it was just such a strange thing. I sort of understood the sort of vaccine passports internationally. If you're yeah. internationally between countries or whatever, if that's how you want to get traveling going again. Even then the government were too slow on them. Yeah, they didn't introduce them soon enough. But it's they like, didn't, them even in June, down, July. didn't even shut down the airports for God knows how long. They didn't close the borders. We could have done so much more. Like if you want to contain the virus, just close the borders. Quarantine. They were letting quarantine. They struggled with PPE, and then they were gifting off contracts left, right, and centre to people that maybe shouldn't have got the contracts. Shall we say? But lockdown itself, as we've already alluded to, was a, a little bit late. But they smashed it out of the power of the vaccine, world leading. So congratulations. Yeah, but then then it became like, oh, we've got rolled out the vaccine, but there was still sort of going, oh, will we have more restrictions? Will we have restrictions? These kind of things. Like when you get to the point where you've done how however many vaccines, you've got to go right. We've done our best now. As soon as everybody that was either vulnerable or over sixty five was double jabbed, that's the point where you drop the facade, mm. the kind of idea that people need to stay inside and you let people do what they want. Because by that point, people were doing what they want anyway. People were saying, we need to stay inside for the sake of the, the old people. And I knew old people that were milling around anyway, indiscriminately. Yeah. But also, by the time you've gone through the whole population, their vaccines are beginning to wear off at this point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you just start like, again. Start again. again. Oh, God. Okay. Honestly, the whole thing was just the right mess. Um, there was there was definitely there were definitely moments which I was kind of like this just feels sort of deliberately over the top. Like there was moments where it was sort of like, are they just doing this to sort of continue the fear to, to keep it at a high level? Yeah. Because fear means compliance. Essentially, you're going to keep people sort of going along with the rules. And what do you think about that? About inc- deliberately increasing the fear, deliberately creating more of a threat. I mean, even with like Omicron, for example, it was pretty clear early on with Omicron from South Africa that it wasn't going to be as bad. And yet there yeah. was a big sort of press conference. It's like, oh no, it's big. It's Omicron guys got to be careful. It's like I, don't, I just didn't agree with the way that that was kept going and going and going. I think you've got to be honest with people. And you know where I was at with the virus at that point because we were in regular contact as, as always. As per, by that point, my attitude to the virus was live and let live. Like I said, I've said on this podcast at the start, it wasn't at the start. I was as stringent as anybody. I was scared shitless on the train coming home. But by that point, Omicron was last winter. To me, at the point where, because once again, the South Africans were about two or three weeks ahead of the curve as we were, and then Omicron came over, and then everybody was like, oh, it's kicking off here. It's more transmissible. It's more deadly. And yet the cases in South Africa would suggest that it wasn't as deadly. And then people were saying, but they've got a younger population. They've got a younger population over there. And then four weeks passes, five weeks passed. The death rate here is not going up at all, but people are still banging on about Omicron. As soon as we got into that alpha, beta, gamma, Omicron 
Epsilon, I don't even know what, what we're at now. It's to be at that one. Yeah. Not bothered. Not bothered. We're on like Omicron 5 or something now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Not first not first tuned out. As soon as we get to that kind of phase, I'm not bothered. I tuned out. I'm not not first. I wasn't even remotely scared that they'd introduce restrictions at all because I didn't think that the Prime Minister would actually go through that. I think it would be very popular. Mm. move at that point it wouldn't make sense for him to do it and by that point as well sage the, the government agency we talked about earlier had been largely discredited hancock had gone we'll talk about that maybe that could be a thumbnail that picture yeah, yeah. that screenshot from that cctv footage <clears throat> you know it was just a gradual wearing down of public trust in the government now yeah. that was really an, an iconic moment wasn't it hancock just... my favorite moment of yeah, been. of all time, perhaps, maybe in my entire life, actually. It was certainly up it's, there. When it has become a term because for a kissing technique, the handcock. Your, your kissing technique, yeah. My- <laughs> um, but that was when, like, politics for all was at its height as well. Like, that was yeah, a pandemic yeah. thing, wasn't it? Politics for all. And they were just, like, constantly spewing, like, political stuff that was going on. I remember when that first picture dropped and they put it on. And it's like, it was that. And it was like, him, just a picture of it initially, I think, was what it was. Yes. And then the full video came out. And it was like, oh, my God, this is mental. And it was just, uh, it was just so crazy, the whole thing. Like, they were clearly not taking it that seriously, were they? I mean, they obviously didn't feel that threatened by it, which sort of tells you a lot. In well, if it, if it wasn't the Hancock incident, it was the party gate stuff that we've seen since, which for me is disgusting. Especially the, the clip of the government's press secretary, then press, press secretary at the lectern in Downing Street, joking about it being a work event. And then she goes, but it absolutely wasn't a work event, wink, and it was a wine and cheese stuff. And things mm-hmm. like that. One rule for them, one rule for us, I suppose, is one way of going about it. I feel like a mug if I was one of those people that followed the rules. And I see people on Twitter saying, I said goodbye to my grandmother through a window for you. Part of me empathises because Mm -hmm. I am a human. Part of me thinks, come on, if a family member's dying or is on the verge of death, just because the government say you can't enter a house and say goodbye and hug, you know, I don't understand that. Yeah, there was there was some what's to gain out of that situation. Some people weren't actually allowed to see their relatives in hospital that were dying as well because obviously the COVID war. So some people just physically weren't allowed. I'm like, oh come on. Well, when you went to A and E, how many people could come in with you? Because that was winter 2020 at the height of COVID, shall we say? Mm -hmm. We did you have to go in? You'd get driven there. Yeah, and so I was, I was driven there and then I went in by myself. Which and is I was not what only... you want when you're having a panic attack. No, not really. Although, to be honest, it was like a 20-minute drive. So the panic attack was beginning to sort of yeah. settle, to be honest, by the time we got there. But I was, I was just in the waiting room by myself at that point. And there wasn't that many people around, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the whole thing was just really, really bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was just the fact that they clearly didn't really think it was that bad. Even though Boris Johnson had it, and he was supposedly, who knows to careful what degree, careful. supposedly. I'd say he was. I'd say he was. Struggling with it. He looked I a mean, bit messy, didn't he, after when he put that video on? But then again, he always does. He was, he was back to work for, for, what, five days later, a week well, later? That's a hard-working prime minister in action. Right there. Yeah. He never cuts any corners. He's a man that's all over the detail. No, I think milking it a bit, wasn't he? <laughs> milking it a bit. Put all put me on a ventilator. Doesn't make for a better better story. Oh, no, no, no. That'll scare people. That'll scare people. No, I don't know. But... I think it was all just it was precautionary. I think some of that. Can't be prime minister dying in a pandemic, can you? No, it wouldn't be ideal. Wouldn't be ideal. But I remember everyone sure the... sending the best wishes. Prime the, uh, Clap the prime for minister. Boris. Clap for Boris. Remember that. <laughs> Feel the power, Taylor. Come on, Boris. Come you've on, got this, Boris. Come on, you, Boris. You've, you've got, got the. Pa- I've got the power. You've got the power. Oh, all right, Shocking Phil. that. 
I think this is where the president of Swaziland died of COVID during COVID. It's not a list you want to be on, is it? Swaziland, United Kingdom. No. Not for me. Thank you. Because, I mean, obviously, there's all the conspiracy theories as well, which we should. Do you want to talk about some of the conspiracy theory side of things? What have you got? The, I mean, the, the origin would be a good place to start. Yeah, I think the origin's an interesting one. I mean, the thing that frustrated me about this was when Facebook started banning posts of people suggesting it may have come from a lab like when we don't have any information either way you can't start banning one side of the opinion just because some favorable for a political reason or whatever that bit i didn't like and then since then it's become a bit more common to be like yeah we probably think it's come from a lab it's yeah, we can't see any evidence it's come from a, a wet market seems to be the prevailing opinion now certainly the cia i think came out a few months and, ago now and, saying that they actually think that it did and when you bear in mind that there's three labs in the entire world that work with coronaviruses and sort of mixing and matching them and trying to sort of change their sort of genetic code and sequence and that, that kind of thing. Three labs in the world that do it, two are in America and the third one's in Wuhan. Yeah. And it just so happens to start in Wuhan. Bit Very of a coincidence, that, isn't it? Bit of a coincidence. One of my housemates that I was living with at the time said that and we all kind of poo-pooed him and we like, you know, that's a conspiracy, don't be such a, a, a psycho or whatever. But now it just seems to me as if that is the the kind of the, the way. I mean, I don't know enough about it, obviously, but the wet markets, they, they haven't found any evidence of that. Everybody's blaming bats. Bats got a lot of bad PR. Well, that, that became the joke, didn't it? Oh, we were in lockdown because someone ate a bat. And it's like, no, that just didn't happen. We had, there was, <laughs> did there was you, never anything. Any. Did you realise that from the off, though? Because I believed if somebody said it came from a wet market, I was like, again, a wet market. Did you, from the off, were you like, hmm, that's a bit sus? No, no, I didn't think I didn't think it was because someone ate a bat. No, I didn't think it was to do with that. Um, I I thought it was. I didn't know it was from a lab or anything like that. I thought it could have been either. I didn't know either mm. way. There's no information to say either way. But I I was frustrated that one side was being ruled out yeah. entirely when we had no information to make that decision on. Like if Why if you have they? information, fair enough. But if you when you have no information, you can't just rule one out without. I'm not sure why tech companies are jumping to. China's defense like that anyway tech companies like Facebook that don't even operate in China because they're not allowed to operate in China have no skin in the game there well because really that was the sort was of... it because Trump was spewing conspiracy theories and obviously in America then people were like well we're gonna oppose this because Trump said this type thing. I know he said the stuff like injecting yourself with the the bleach which was rubbish no. I know that and that was probably probably got that one wrong Donald you know he's very hit and miss Donald but in so terms of the, the lab theory, because he called it the China virus, right? And there was that, and there's that. Well, that's you and him did. And then people will say, well, what about the Spanish flu? And people say, well, that's racist as well, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that there is some, perhaps there is, some, I think, some um, sense in, in what you just said that I think technology companies were perhaps just going, yeah, we're going to try and get a stronger hold on this so that people don't think that what's been said is true. But I just think to be so heavy-handed on that, I think is is just the wrong way of going about it when you have no information on, on either side whatsoever. And I think there was also a tendency of let's not try and heighten things too much, which is a bit weird because you would have thought the Americas and China are obviously at each other quite a lot, particularly now as yeah. well. Yeah, so yeah. you would have thought this would be a moment to be like, oh, yeah, it was them, wasn't it? it was. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you would have thought this would be a moment to sort of dig in, dig it in a bit and put the blame Wuhan. on them. But actually, where's that lab again? Wuhan. Yeah, but actually, they, they took a step back and they're like, no, this was probably accidental, yeah. maybe from a, a wet market. I so can't help but that. thinking that that was a Trump 
thing. I don't think we should forget or lose touch with the kind of deranging impact. And I'm not, I've said before, I'm not a massive Trump fan. It's funny in a way when he's well, dangerous. Off camera, so you are. Well, my MAGA hat's just down there. <laughs> but we can't forget how much American liberal people on the American left wanted to position themselves against Trump as the anti-Trump, especially in 2020 coming up to the election. If Trump said one thing, I'd imagine the American liberals just to take the other side. It seemed to me that that's what that was like, especially mm. with some of the things that because the, the American economy pre-COVID that was doing pretty well, and Trump was on course to be re-elected, right? Mm-hmm. And then obviously COVID changed all that because he did get it wrong in terms of lockdowns, in terms of I'm sure it's hydro something 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 a bleach that he was like hydrochloroquine was it something something like that that people have been injecting themselves and I've seen the positive wrong and it'll kill you right. And I think it, I can't help but think it was the same with the China virus. Because remember, people in America coming out saying he shouldn't be saying China virus. You know, this virus is everywhere. It's not the fault of the Chinese government. I'm sorry, but if it originated in a lab and the Chinese government tried to like, cover it up, then it is the fault of the Chinese government. And I can't help but think that they were just looking at what Trump had said and being like, "Well, let's position ourselves against this." Trump's been racist. Yeah, I mean, saying China virus, there's nothing inherently racist about that. It originated from China. I think when it's used, the bit that I don't like is when it's used against Chinese people in yeah. the country and it becomes like a hatred of Chinese people, that kind of thing. That's obviously completely unacceptable, exactly. completely wrong. And so if it's being used to, to fuel that, then I would understand that. But when it's just been casually labeled that i don't think there's a huge amount wrong with just casually calling it that because you have to make a distinction in dealing with people between the people and the government the chinese government horrible regime horrible yeah. oppressive authoritarian regime chinese people have absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever but if trump's using the, the kind of moniker china virus to allude to the fact that the chinese government were involved in the cover-up of the virus itself because it came from a lab i can see why the tech companies would be all over that Mm. saying well trump says this they obviously want to push their agenda which is obviously not the the trumpian agenda so let's repress that kind of way of way of thinking and and you're right to bring up donald trump actually i'd not thought to mention him but he did play a big part in the sort of whole zeitgeist is that the right word of that sort of pandemic feeling at the time yeah he did play a big a big part in that i remember when he got reading recently (laughs) well let just a little bit um (laughs) I, he, he did reads. play yeah, he reads. Just, just a little bit. Um, he did. He was quite heavily involved, obviously as as president. But he what he did play a big part in that period of time. And I remember when he got the virus as well, and and there was the videos yeah. being released of him <laughs> looking a little bit sort of jaded. I want to say, is that yeah, the right word? Right word. Yeah. Jaded. Yeah. I'm using big words now. Big five letter words. Five letters. Um, and <laughs> big big words. Um, and the best he words. Was, the best words. The, the best china you're gonna get so tired yeah. of using the biggest words so tired china um <laughs> so he, he there's like videos of him like i think he was maybe with the, with his tie off or something look a bit more casual you know like from thing. hospital no in the helicopter yeah and it all got quite dramatic and it was i i thought it was great that sort of period of time because he was being pumped with all sorts wasn't he to keep him alive and ah. all these experimental stuff that he got access to no one else did yeah. Let's give that to him. I know the video you're talking about. It's a video of his helicopter landing on South Lawn at the White House and him walking. I say walking, loose, loose, probably limping. He's mm. limping up to the, the balcony and he stands on the balcony and gives a salute to the, to the helicopter as it flies off. And it's meant to be this kind of big, courageous kind of... I say COVID was nothing. I've had a bad bout of it and now I've beat it. But if you watch that video back, he's holding his side, like where his mm. lung is, 
it's actively hurting him to breathe because of the effects of COVID. But obviously he's trying to hide that. And he's there like, yeah, like giving it the big I am with the broad shoulders, but like wheezing, almost wheezing, nothing weaker than wheezing. But I mean, the guy was still holding campaign rallies of tens of thousands of people because obviously his voter base didn't care about COVID at all. So they turn up in... In numbers, he'd have won that election if all his supporters hadn't have died at these super special <laughs> events. I dare say that's a good point. Given it all the YMCA, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he got into that. that, didn't he? It was a bit weird that, that yeah. dance, little dance he do with the YMCA, which is of course a gay anthem, and obviously don't try well, to take it for your own. Generally. Gay, right? We take that. We take the rainbow back from the NHS as well. Like, yeah, oh, that rainbow's that. been ours for ages, and suddenly COVID comes along, and it's the NHS's. Shocking. Get gone. Shocking. Um, one thing I want to know is how did the pandemic change you? That's what I want to know. And then I'll I answer after. Already alluded to the fact it lowered my standards temporarily, but mm. we've bounced back now. We've built back better. Standards are back mm. up to, uh, bitter. to where they were. Never, never bitter. <laughs> Always better. Definitely got, it was absolutely gagging for it uh, during during lockdown. I think as well, like I said, it really, does, it really does make me appreciate socialising more, or at least it did in the immediate aftermath probably now i think i'm back to normal but in that, that kind of freedom summer after freedom day of our freedom year just a freedom life now mm. i definitely appreciated the act of seeing people more it's interesting you bring it up because it's about roughly shall we say a year since we had our first post-covid night out isn't it in uh, is it in Leeds. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember just being happy, happy on that night, happy to be out, happy to be amongst it. It did feel a bit weird. I never think I'm going to fully take for granted again social events. Because I remember thinking when I was sat doing these Zoom quizzes with people, I'm thinking that night out I said no to back in February. What a mug I am. I was, I was just feeling a bit tired. Mm, you are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that one, you know, the event I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> that event, I missed that one, you know, in February or in January or whatever. Like now I'm sad, I've been sat inside for four months. And it, it took at least a year to get maybe even more than a year, 16 months to get fully back to normal, 16 months from the lockdown to Freedom Day where the clubs were open again. So it makes me feel appreciative. It makes me feel as if I'm going to club forever, baby, and that's what I'm going to do. Really? I mean, for me, me, I think it's made me want to meet new new people more, I think, because I'm not a massive, I don't really need to socialise a lot, so I was fine for some of it, but it has made me want to sort of, socialize a bit more and to meet new people that kind of yeah. thing and just like like I said, a bit more of an appreciation of sort of socializing in general i think um but yeah i don't know i'm trying to think of other like sort of lasting effects things were very different though i look back on like uh, sort of march 2020 very different time back yeah. then for me personally i mean i don't know it just things did feel very very different probably had more of a social life than i've got now hopefully that's going to yeah. change as i'm I moving think- out but, um, fingers crossed. I think for me, a lot's changed personally since then, but in a in a good way in terms of a character development. Why? Since March. In a good way, do you think? For me, since March twenty twenty or now, I would say so because I'm basically back to normal socialising. A lot of personal stuff has gone on since then. You know, such as the passage of of time. Whereas you've kind of had this period of time where you've had limited social engagement, limited growth in a way, character growth in terms mm-hmm. of dealing with other people. Well, my character's, no... my character's grown, but it's social life... It's, it's denigrated. You're an absolute gremlin now. But <laughs> once you go back to Leeds, then you make up for lost time. That's definitely the phrase I would use uh, for you. For me, I'm still making mm. up for lost time, and I'd be making up for lost time for a year, maybe a bit and too you much. And you weren't even inside that much. Exactly. Exactly that. So, yeah, in terms of long-term effects, I transmit 5G now, thanks to the vaccine. I, just, yeah, I thought you were going to say you, had some, you transmitted something else. But, yeah. Absolutely not. I would never. I'm waiting until marriage to transmit that. Mm. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other changes that I've. I mean, so the social life is definitely a big one that's sort of changed since. But I think just generally, like life moves moves on. Like, yeah, exactly. Regardless of the whether there was a pandemic or not, life would have moved on in those two years. It's just there's been like a pause for me. It feels like I've been on pause for two years, and then someone's pressed play, but everyone yeah. else has been on play for two years, and I'm sort of like. I'm I'm still a, where I was two years ago, kind of thing. A product of your personal circumstances, which is all about to change, I suppose. To be fair, yeah. it's definitely going to be one of those things that your kids are going to ask you about if you're in it and if you're listening as well. I think it, as soon as they hear about this, I'll learn about this when they reach a suitable age because it, it's that batshit crazy. I remember sitting through it, thinking, knowing in a mere six months' time when all this is blown over, we're going to look back and go, "That's fucking crazy." When you could only mm. meet with six of the people outside your household or whatever. So yeah, has it, has it changed the way you look at health? Like if you have a cold now or a flu, are you more likely to stay inside and be like, I don't want to give you the flu, I'm going to stay inside for a bit? You know? No, not not no. particularly, to be honest with you. I mean, it's weird because we didn't even speak about our times actually having coronavirus or whether we did or didn't mm. have coronavirus. I still have never po- tested positive, so I still don't, don't know if I have had it. I've had, my parents have been positive twice and I've had, I think the first time around I had... A headache for three days and achy legs for a day and that was before there was any vaccine and then recently I didn't have any symptoms at all when my parents had it and I just mm. acted normally so I don't know if I've, I don't even know if I've had coronavirus and if I have yeah. then I had a headache for three days so you know all that in two years for a headache do you know what I mean it's like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough one it's, it's a chat up line for you to use in a club though post you know, when you move back to the big, bright city lights of Leeds. Is it? You had COVID, what, you, know, you had it bad, you know? Ventilator, me, headache, three days. Headache, Some people yeah. just built different, love. <laughs> Have a load of that. <laughs> achy legs for a day, all right? <laughs> so um... to massage my achy legs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, tr- it's true, though. I had fatigued legs for yeah. a day. It was really weird. It was strange. Well, I mean, I had but it quite it was... bad twice, so we'll move on from that. Yeah, yeah, you did, didn't you? Because I mean, you you don't you don't look after yourself like I do. But that's probably why. But... All those cigarettes didn't help, did they? But a bit of a yeah. drama queen as well. So you are yeah. actually that's a good point as well. Let's not get let's not get homophobic though. No, let's actually let's let's get you cancelled. We've we've done a gay podcast. Let's let's do an anti-gay podcast. Bring back Alfie, I say. Bring back Alfie. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something else I wanted to mention as well. well um, should the lockdown policy ever be used again? For a similar virus. For a similar virus. I would say if governments now, until the end of time, don't prepare aptly and promptly, perpetually, there's a lot of adverbs there, oh for a virus like coronavirus, I mean, they don't prepare... I just, I want a yes or no answer, please. They don't prepare, sorry, it's a, a politician. politician. It's, a, Come on. it's a politician's answer. The if they don't prepare suitably and always, just let me translate, always, for a for a virus of that nature, then they're foolish. There should never need to be a lockdown again because they should be scared shitless. There you go. That's what I should have said. That's Aptly, a very long-winded suitably answer. Suitably and perpetually. <laughs> so your politician's forever. answer. I don't even know what your answer post. was really there. If they, no, they, they should don't. No, they shouldn't because they should be so scared. They should be preparing always for a virus to come along, and in that case, there's no need for a lockdown. Say that Full the first stop. time, then. Okay, say that the first time. Um, if yeah, if a similar virus comes along for me, I mean. I'm against the laws being put in place so strictly. So for me, new Wild West, baby. But uh, but but you know, strong guidance. Um, perhaps I could just yeah. just move to Sweden. They did it without any lockdown yep. in Sweden. Love, love the Swedes. Love the Swedes. IKEA meatballs, ABBA, blonde hair, blue eyes. Some people like that. Some mm-hmm. people don't. I think I go down a hit actually in Sweden. To be honest, a bit too ginger. A bit no, too ginger. Strong, well, speak for you'd yourself. Have to put, 
You'd have to put the accent on as well. No, I think I'd go down quite well there because they'll be fine with pale skin as well. They'll be fine with that. You'd fit right in, to be fair. Yeah, I I look a bit Swedish. Someone told me I look a bit Swedish before. I would say you look Swedish. I should go Sweden. I reckon reckon it would go down really well with me in Sweden. Do you fancy giving me to Eurovision next year? It's in in the UK, isn't it? No, I'm fine, thanks. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll see you next week. Please like and subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Cheers. See you later. Oh. Who said you look Swedish? Jack, is that bullshit? Is it? I think I've made it up to be honest. I do look a bit <laughs> Swedish. Though. I do look a bit <laughs> Swedish.